so today I want to talk a little bit about the speed test websites, uh, fast.com, um, speedtest.net, uh, those. Uh, and it really came about because I get a lot of questions on those. Uh, and it usually sounds something like, you know, I get 900 megabits whenever I run speed test and your throughput test shows me only getting 200 or something like that. So uh, it's a common enough question uh, that I thought that uh, we would talk about it a little bit. Um, so I'm going to talk about the websites and how they work. Uh, seven signals throughput test. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, TCP slow start and uh, throughput versus uh, test length. And uh, Jim, I'm sure you probably get these questions from uh, our customers as well. Yeah, it's a very common question. Very common question. So it'll be very yeah, informative, absolutely. I think, for our, our audience today. Let's get on with it. Um, uh, first one that I want to talk about, and, and I picked these these two, Speedtest and, and Fast.com, just because they're the ones I usually hear about. Uh, they also uh, seem to report the highest speeds uh, most of the time. Uh, so I did a little bit of digging, and uh, there's a couple of links down here if you want to go uh, follow up uh, and, and read their, their full description. But uh, a few things, you know, kind of came out about how they work, um, and they're both pretty similar. Uh, the first one is, is they do not run a single connection for that download. They'll break it up across multiple connections and, and add those values together. Uh, Speedtest.net says they use up to four simultaneous connections to download. Um, also, the test runs fairly long. Uh, I timed it on uh, myself. They don't say on their website, but it seems to run about 15 seconds. Uh, and it plays around and tries to, to do everything it can to improve the throughput. So um, multiple, as I said, multiple connections. Uh, it's going to play around with the buffer sizes and how much data it requests and sends during the test. Um, to really maximize that throughput. And in fact, their, their goal that they say in, uh, in one of these documents is to use enough data to flood the internet connection and measure the full capacity of both the network connection and the device. So they're really trying to slam that connection, push every byte through it, and, uh, and make the, the biggest number that they can. Um, they make a big point in their documents to, to say that they are doing it the right way and, and kind of any other any other way to measure it is is not accurately measuring the throughput. Uh, and I'm sure you probably use these websites as well, Jim. Yeah, for sure. It's a you know a useful way sometimes just to get a a point in time measurement of um, the you know absolute max uh, network capability when you're um, using internet-based services just to kind of see, um, you know, quickly, is there a significant slowdown somewhere between me um, and the internet? Now, one thing I'll add to that yeah. is that often these servers are hosted not out in the 
in in AWS or GCS or in you know on the internet backbone, but actually in the central offices of uh, major ISPs. Um, so sometimes, and probably more often than not, you're really measuring the performance from your device to the internet service provider and their data center. Yeah, and in fact, the next one, and I don't have uh, <clears throat> quite as much on this one, uh, they just don't have as much documentation, but I do have a, uh, a link for you here. They, uh, they make the point that they use the Netflix CDN um, to host those speed tests. And those are, uh, those Netflix servers are definitely hosted very locally all over the world. It's important to them that they, they can provide a lot of bandwidth to a lot of customers. Uh, so yeah, they definitely make the point that, that they are, that they're testing to a, a local-ish site. Um, and they actually, you know, they don't give quite as much information even as speed tests, but they do um, say that they run uh, eight, up to eight connections during the download to try to flood that. And they'll run for a long time. They run up to about 30 seconds. Um, so it just stands on, on the connection uh, for about 30 seconds. And in fact, in their reporting, they ignore the first part of the test that, uh, that usually runs a little bit slower to try and uh, report the, the fastest speed. And in fact, uh, this down here in the corner is my connection at home. Whoops. Um, it's supposed to be a 45 megabit uh, DSL connection. Uh, I get 49 or 50 from uh, fast.net and looks like about 44 from um, speed test. So they're, they're, I think, pretty close to, to measuring what the maximum of my connection is. Um, but uh, as I said, those are the two that I hear about most. There's a lot of other speed test websites. Not all of them use multiple connections. Uh, in fact, some of them in their documentation will point out that they don't use multiple connections and will, will turn speed test argument that they're the only people that can measure it accurately around on them and, and say they're not really measuring it accurately because they are using multiple connections. Um, I think, you know, it, it's really up to us to understand uh, what these test sites do and what they're good for. Uh, and maybe not necessarily uh, listen to all of their hype. Um, but sort of in conclusion uh, on these, these speed test websites, they'll run multiple simultaneous connections. They'll do long test runs. They pull every trick out, like I said, adjust buffers and request sizes to try to max out or flood that connection. Um, and they simulate large file downloads, torrent downloads pretty well because that's, that's what you're doing on, on those types of applications. But they really don't reflect web browsing or, or email very well. Uh, and finally, uh, they have a big impact to the network uh, whenever they're running the test. So if everybody in an office is constantly running uh, these speed test websites, it can, it can actually put a hurting on the network. Uh, what do you think, Jim? Yeah, that's right. Um, 
you know, particularly the longer duration test, 30 seconds, you know, and, and it, I think just observing how end users use these sometimes, they run it over and over and over again sometimes. Oh, that's too low. That's not right. I mean, just maybe yeah. it was uh, just a momentary disruption. Let me run it again, run it again. And, and an uh, often, hey, Bob, I'm only getting so much. How about you? Pretty oh, soon yeah. you can have an office running the test. And then everybody gets poor numbers because everyone is running it at the same time. And that makes them want to run it even more. It yeah. can spiral. Yep. It is good for finding out if, if you're, you're getting, at least in raw connection terms, uh, what your ISP uh, told you. Yeah. Um, looking at our speed test, the seven signal HTTP download test, it's a really different sort of test. Um, we only use a single download stream. Uh, we only run for two seconds. Um, and it, it really simulates web browsing uh, where you're fetching lots of small files usually. You know, on a web page, they'll be, you know, if you ignore the ads, there'll maybe be a dozen small JPEGs and some text and, and that kind of thing. So it's a lot of small downloads. Uh, but we don't simulate downloading large files uh, very well. That's, uh, you know, it's, it's just something that, that uh, our tests don't simulate. Uh, but the ultimate point is that we want to be able to make consistent measurements over and over again. And we don't want to put too much impact on the uh, network under test. Um, and, and whether it's Sapphire Eye or Mobile Eye, um, it isn't just one person running the speed test. It's a bunch of people. They're only running it every few minutes or sometimes a few tens of minutes. But whenever you get a lot of devices on there, you have to worry about the network impact. So that's really one of the big reasons that we keep this test short. Um, so you really need to understand that. Uh, what do you think, Jim? Yeah, that's, you know, um, I, I think this, I think that's exactly right. This is a great test for measuring what most internet or, or network traffic really looks like, uh, while also having a pretty light impact on the network while it runs. So, yeah. Um, but you can obviously and, and see it's, we've made a lot of different decisions in how this test runs compared to uh, those public services. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and we actually do support running longer tests. Uh, we don't support running multiple streams, uh, but you can tune the test time if you want to run uh, from for something other than two seconds on our tests. But that that seems to be a, a good number for us. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about why it matters. Why is why is this so important? And a big part of it. Uh, is the TCP slow start. And if you think back about how TCP congestion control works, you know, the basic idea is if you're missing acts, then you reduce the amount of bytes allowed in flight or the amount of packets in flight. And slow start sort of starts out pessimistic. So it will send a small number of packets, one, two, maybe three or four, and wait for those acts to come back before it sends anymore. And then as it gets those acts back, 
it will allow more and more packets in flight, that is transmitted, but an acknowledgement not received. And it's gonna continue cranking that up every time it receives acts uh, until it either reaches the maximum window size that's set on the server, uh, or until it starts missing acts or, or having delayed acts, uh, in which case it's going to close that window down, it's gonna reduce the amount of packets it's allowing in flight, and then sort of gradually let that ramp up again. Uh, and there's different algorithms uh, that are part of the congestion control. It's a little bit out of scope, but uh, slow start always seems to work basically, basically this way where, you know, you send one or a small number of packets, you get the ax back, you, you increase, you get the ax back, you increase, you get the ax back so that you allow uh, more packets in flight. Did I make that clear, Jim, or was I more confusing than harmful? No, a great explanation. I mean, if you've ever wondered, uh, how does my device, how does my computer know how much data it can send, you know, how much throughput it can consume um, when it's connecting to, you know, something out on the internet across a lot of hops, across Wi-Fi, you know, across where there's bottlenecks. How does it know, um, you know, how much, how fast it can go end to end with that connection? This is the protocol that it uses to determine that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I wanted to follow up a little bit on this. I, uh, this is a graph that you can produce from Wireshark. Um, it lets you graph uh, the sequence number, which is really the number of bytes transmitted is what it sort of ultimately uh, comes down to uh, against time. Uh, and uh, you can see here, this is a connection starting. And here at the beginning, you'll see it's just transmitted just a few packets, just a few sequence numbers. And then We've got this 50 millisecond delay. It's about a 50 millisecond round trip time to whatever it's talking to. And it sends a few more packets because they got the ax back. And then this long 50 millisecond wait and a few more packets. Another long wait and a few more packets. And, and very gradually, and as we go up, it's total bytes transmitted. So it isn't speed, it's, it's total transmitted we can see that we're starting to get a little bit steeper up here. But you don't really get to the point where you ha don't have these breaks where you're waiting for acts uh, on this 50 millisecond connection until about four tenths of a second. So almost half a second into the transmission until the, uh, until the windows really open up and you're basically continuously transmitting data. And that's that's really the heart of why TCP connections start out really slow. Uh, what do you think, Jim? I'm sure you've seen this. Yeah, and this is a this is really useful when you think about so many connections being used just to um, send a small amount of data. You know, the the protocol may not have windowed all the way up to the maximum amount of packets it can send. Um, before it's it's already received all the data it needs or or sent all the data it, it meant to. 
Um, so in some cases, yeah. you know, I think this is one of the reasons why, um, you know, in some cases, UDP is preferred for very, very small uh, uh, packet exchanges, even though, you know, there isn't a retransmission um, uh, method built into the protocol, you know, adding all this overhead and dealing with this, you know, waiting for acts um, is unnecessary sometimes, just a little aside there, but. Yeah, uh, especially for real time uh, applications where, I mean, if you think about it, the server's just sitting on its hands waiting for acts during these gaps. It's not doing anything but, but sitting there waiting. So if you're trying to do something real time and usually you think of voice or video, but it could be a, you know, machine monitoring or something like that. Uh, TCP is usually not the way to go. Uh, great for transmitting big files, though. Yeah. Uh, easy, because it does all the error checking itself. Yeah, and, and just to bolster that case, you know, TCP is a very old protocol. And a long time ago, networks, especially the internet, was really unreliable. And you had to deal with a lot of packet <laughs> loss, and you needed... TCP to to retransmit those lost packets and make sure everything's acknowledged on the other end. And yeah. uh, you know that's not a big of a, as big of an issue uh, with today's networks and the internet and the state it's in today. And so you know in in many cases UDP is uh, is better because you um, don't have to deal with that overhead anymore. Yeah. And remember, even with UDP, you can always you can always wrap your own reliability protocols around that. Uh, and it's easy for me to say since I don't write code anymore. But <laughs> you know, that is something you can do: is you can uh, you can use UDP uh, and then do whatever retransmissions you need to yourself. Um, and I think I've got mostly graphs from from here on. Um, Fast.com uh, actually had some some really nice graphs of sort of their their ramp up and Fast.com they vary the amount of uh, time the test runs until it sort of stabilizes um, and you can see here a low latency connection you know it starts up and it ramps ramps up kind of slowly and then they measure out here and a, a higher latency connection ramps up uh, a little more slowly and they make the connection out here and if you notice that's i think that's 24 seconds out on the far end so it can potentially run run long tests um, and then i really like this one this one i actually pulled from uh, one of our customers i went and found a customer with just a beautiful internet connection uh, um, to a, to a nearby server, they were 980, 990 megabits per second on a wired connection. And the Sapphire does, does, does do wired connections as well. Um, and I didn't show the, the higher throughput connections here because it was basically flat. It, it started out at like 940 and eventually ramped up to 960 or 980. So it didn't show much, much change. Um, with a one millisecond uh, to our sonar server and the internet. So, I mean, I think that says 
what a good connection they have. But I tested all of our sonar servers around the world uh, and picked a couple to sort of show um, real world uh, what that looks like. And remember that these guys have a gigabit plus connection. They're, they're running 900 plus megabits per second to local servers. And all of our sonars have really good connections. That's, that's part of what our system group does when they cite sonars is, is make sure that they have a good, fast, high bandwidth connectivity. And you can see, this is our, our uh, the red line is a 248 millisecond latency, and that's from uh, New York, which is where our test point was, to our APAC server in Singapore. Um, and the blue line is, is to one of our European servers um, in about 79 milliseconds. But you can see the difference between the two and six and the six and 10 are pretty big. We get, we get big step ups in throughput whenever we go those longer test times. But then as we get out to, to the longer connections, uh, the, the growth is not as fast. I think this graph is also kind of interesting and in, in pointing out that it's not just latency. I could let this run all day and it wouldn't get much faster, even though both ends have got more than gigabit connections. There's just so much in between, so many links, some of which are, I'm sure, oversubscribed. Uh, you know, the best that they're going to do from New York to Singapore is about 30 megabits uh, per second, even though both ends have got excellent backbone connections and very high speed. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this graph, Jim. Uh, what do you no, think? I haven't. I have seen similar studies though that, that have shown how in some cases, particularly you know, as latency increases significantly, um, TCP will not use anywhere near the full available bandwidth, network bandwidth, I should say, end-to-end um, -end, uh, because of the latency um, sensitivity. Um, so that's where, like you alluded to earlier, um, there's been some research and some you know, new algorithms proposed for improving TCP to you know, kind of meet the network conditions that are more typical of today's networks. Yeah, in fact, there's a lot of lot of work done on the uh, TCP congestion control algorithms. There's a lot of variations on that. Slow start, as far as I know, doesn't really change much. Uh, you, uh, you know, you have to start easy because uh, you just don't know. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of lot of work done in TCP congestion to, uh, so especially whenever you drop a packet. To, uh, to try to ramp the bandwidth back up again because it does close the window down. Uh, normally congestion control closes that window down when it loses a packet. Um, I am gonna add one more thing that I didn't do a slide on uh, here and uh, I didn't because I don't have enough, enough data but I didn't wanna mention it. We talked at the beginning about multiple streams versus a single stream and the rest of it I talked about really latency and, and slow start. And it's just because I couldn't find really good data on how much difference um, running multiple connections makes. Uh, I did some testing myself uh, on my connection and obviously at a 45 megabit connection, it's really not 
typical, I think, of, of uh, a lot of the speeds most people have. But I saw about a 20% speed difference uh, between single stream and multiple stream on the uh, testing websites that allow you to choose. Um, and other people reported as much as 35 or 40% difference between single stream and multiple stream on downloads. Um, so I don't know what the numbers really are. I don't really know what affects it and, and what the important variables are. Um, but it, I think saying between 20 and 40% difference is probably justifiable. Um, I don't know if you have anything to add on that, Jim, but that's all I've got for today. Yeah, great. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. And uh, uh, I think we got a few minutes we can spend on Q&A. So if anybody out there in the audience has a good question they want to send in, send it our way. A couple questions around, um, you know, what we think of some of the various other throughput um, testing protocols and services out there, like what Tamasoft does. I see NPERF mentioned um, a few other things there. And I guess my take on it is, you know, use the right tool for the right job. So it all depends on the context and, and what you want to discover with that test and, um, you know, understand what it was built for and what its intentions are. And if that matches up with your needs, then that's the right tool for the job. Yeah, the uh, iPerf, NPerf, whatever, those tools are great because they're really configurable. You can configure the buffer sizes, you can configure the number of connections, uh, and you can really dial those in to, to support whatever it is that you're trying to measure. Uh, and I think that's important. What is it you're trying to measure? Absolutely. So a uh, comment here from Anders. This might be useful for the audience that wants to get into the nuts and bolts, nuts and bolts of TCP. He says, TCP has some extensions from, from uh, Van Jacobson's et al., et al. to scale the transmit window size, et cetera. And there's an RFC about that. So it specifically improves throughput on long latency connections. So thank you, Anders, for anybody who wants to go out and um, Google that. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a hot topic, uh, you know, improving TCB's congestion control. So Mike, here's a question from Mark. He says, um, for 8 to 11 connections, you ever compare speed test results with uh, throughput test results inside the network on the LAN, I assume he means? Well, we do make our throughput tests inside the LAN. Our, our sonar server, which is the, the test partner in our test, is uh, freely available. Uh, so most of our customers will install uh, their own sonar server on the LAN uh, so that we can make those low latency connections that are, are not uh, affected by the internet. Uh, but the sonar server doesn't really support uh, speed test style um, connections in, uh, so so we can't do the comparison there. Yeah, maybe one last comment here. I got a, a kick out of this from Michael when we were discussing uh, kind of the contagion that happens when there's bad 
uh, speed test results, he says, yeah, it's sort of like a stop replying to all email storm. <laughs> if you've ever been in a big company when that happens, oh, what a disaster. <laughs> yes, nothing like everybody replying to all saying, take me off this list. Yes. Yes.